find those. I feel like uh, All Pro Football 2K8 or 2K9. Oh my god. It's obviously John Elway, so like he was the legends, but nobody reached Well, they actually got the player, the players, those those old players, you know, information, likenesses, yeah, all that stuff. But they just couldn't get the actual NFLPA nor the NFL themselves. And apparently, it was actually a good title, a good game, but it didn't carry the NFL license, so it couldn't stack up to to Madden at that point. Yeah. Plus, you know, modern day kids are not going to know at that point. Yeah, who the hell is John Elway? Oh, here was a good name from it. Um, Darren Dalton, you guys remember him? Yeah, played for the Marlins and, well, mostly the Phillies. His name in that game was Ox Bunyan. That's fantastic. (laughs) It actually actually works for him, actually, for for real. Uh, Bopper Bopper O'Reilly was Eric Karros. Mm-hmm. Um, and Typhoon Karoy is Hideo Nomo, among others. Typhoon Karoy. That's a, that's a wrestling name. That's what I was about to say. That, that's a wrestling name. Okay, here we go. Here is the NL All-Star Game. Um, uh, NL, NL, I guess let's start the show and then we can... I mean, I just started it already because this is already okay. fun for me. To, to listen to. But anyways, yeah, we already started the show. This is our 17th episode. Uh, up on the screen, you got myself, Charles, and Andrew. And uh, I wanted to start the show off because uh, we had a little fun at the hockey game a few days ago. Uh, we were sitting there. Well, actually, not even sitting there. We were just standing there in the middle of the, the concourse, eating our food and drinking our drinks. And then some guy from the Panthers popped up to us and be like, hey, y'all want to play a little game on the ice? And we're like, yes. So, Andrew and Charles, uh, Andrew, thank you for, for buying those tickets and for not telling <laughs> yes, us thank about you. the surprise. <laughs> Apparently, you planned it all, right? Exactly. And we went down to the ice, and uh, guys, uh, I've been down there before, so it was I've already experienced that that part of it, the first part where we're going down to the to the to the bowels of the BBNT Center. But how did you guys feel going down there? Um, for me, it felt like that movie. You know, it felt like it felt like Hellboy when they're going through the office and they go down to the uh, the paranormal agency department. Yeah, because it just felt very secluded. I'm just like, all right, you're seeing dudes in suits and people in costumes. I'm expecting the president of the United States to appear out of nowhere. Um, she was like, you're doing a great service, guys. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, but it was really cool, really different environment um, aesthetically. I mean, it's just nothing but dungeons. Like, I'm afraid a child probably got stolen from there for one time, <laughs> um, like, for that purpose. But, you know, it, it, it was a good time. I had my beer in my hand. I had a shotgun it because <laughs> I'm not dealing with warm beer. So there was always that trepidation that if I wasn't going to fall on the ice, I was just going to throw up right then and there after I whooped down my hot dog. And I just remember the guy going to us. He's like, hey, you guys want to do something? I'm like, no, sir. You don't proposition like me. But I wasn't. I was of sound mind at that time. But um, I, I enjoyed it. it. It was cool. Uh, on my end, I guess, um, I mean, you had said that you've been down in that type of area before, right? Well, yeah, because I've, 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 you know, I used to cover the Panthers myself. So I've been down to through those 
through those doors. I was about to point out to you guys, hey, that's where that's the media entrance, that's whatever. But we were like in such a hurry to get mm -hmm. the stuff done, they were hurrying us up, so I couldn't. But let me give a little bit more backstory about what happened. Um, so as Francisco said, we were just sitting there getting our concessions. We were just about to leave because there was maybe about 10 minutes left in the period. Um, and then the guy comes up and says, well, later he'd tell us that he needed three, he had three people lined up to do this game where we would run from one end of the ice to the first blue line, spin around a baseball bat 10 times, run to the other blue line, attempt to shoot a puck into the net. And then if we missed, we had to run down to the end of the ice, pick up a puck and shoot it in. So he had those three people lined up and they just were not there. So we happened to be the three warm, well, five. It was Francisco, Charles and I, uh, my friend Chris from law school and his girlfriend. So the five of us, and they could only take three. So it was the three of us. So he just needed three warm bodies, basically. But more than I'm still kind of in shock. I'm glad that you took a picture of us going down there because I still kind of am in disbelief that it even happened. Um, one thing I remember was the guy who took us down said, if you can see in the picture, I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. So I wore a blue shirt and I wore a Tampa Bay Lightning. You can see the shirt a little bit in there. Um and a Tampa Bay Lightning hat. And he said, yeah, you got to take off the hat. You got to cover up your shirt with your jacket because you're, you're the other team. So I did. I obliged. And I, kind of going along with what Charles said, it was kind of almost paranormal. And as we were going down, we had to sign these forms. We had to put on uh, some of the pictures. We had to put on helmets. We had to put on shin guards. Um, and we saw Wes freaking Macaulay. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Wes Macaulay is probably, probably one of the most famous NHL referees. He's the man. Because he's, he's funny. You gotta pull he's, up a clip of Macaulay. He's, he's very, uh, very personable. He, um, if, if anybody's ever seen an NHL replay goal call, uh, so when they review the play for, for like a goal, uh, Wes Macaulay, especially when it's, uh, for the for the home team, uh, he'll he'll wait it out a little bit for the call uh, of, of, of a good goal. So he'll be like, after review of the play, and he just a little suspense. It is determined that the goal, it's a good goal, and, he goes, <laughs> and, and the, the crowd home. goes insane. Yeah, so he loves it. We love it, and it was funny because Andrew was like, man, what if. You imagine if Wes McCauley was here, and lo and behold, <laughs> the, the period ends, and you see Wes McCauley and the other refs, and he's like the first one to pop out, and you're like, that's him! So, it was pretty cool to see probably the best referee in the NHL right there in front of us. Uh, Andrew got a bit of uh, the tense there, because he wanted to say something to him, and he just like froze up. We were talking about this before no the show. <laughs> Francisco and I were talking about that before the show. I have two regrets. One, that I didn't take a picture of us either while we were on the ice or as we were going into the ice because the view was magnificent. Because, well, my first observation was, holy crap, that is really tall. The the seats, those are like really high up. You feel like yeah. 
you feel like you're really in sort of like a coliseum almost. Right. It feel it's weird. It feels taller when you're on the ground versus when you're sitting up in the nosebleeds, which is where we were sitting. I can't explain it really, but it's you get the sense that things are bigger up there versus when you're up high. The second thing I noticed was the ice was a lot drier than mm-hmm. I imagined. It was very kind of wasn't slick at all. It very I was able to traction very well despite the fact that I ultimately fell on my butt at the end. Yeah, so so uh, we get to the actually the period ends and they're like telling us to go to our spots. The reason it was like a a baseball thing was because the Marlins were I guess the it was like a Marlins night type of night cuz spring training's just started. And so uh, I, I'm in the middle. Charles is all the way at the left end because he's a lefty. Um, and Andrew is on the right side. And so uh, we would run. The, the game would start. We would run to the to the bat in the middle of the ice, I, I guess in, in, the, in the center at the red line. And then we would pick it up and then we would do our spin on our heads and, and 10 times and then and go. Now, guys, I, I don't I, – and I mentioned it before – I haven't been I haven't made myself dizzy on purpose since I was like a kid, you know, because before you just, you know, spin around for no good reason because you're a kid. So I hadn't done that in a long time. I thought I would handle it a lot better than I did (laughs) because, like, oh, it's just spinning around, whatever. Sometimes I spin in my chair just for just for no reason. But no, no, no. I was completely disoriented. I I ended my spin looking at the opposite end of the ice (laughs) and then I was trying to reorient myself and I see like the, you know, the 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 roar core on the other side and i'm i'm trying to like walk and i'm 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 gesturing with my hand like like uh, like a first down uh uh marker and i'm like okay just just that way that way that way that way <laughs> out of the corner of my eye i could i couldn't see andrew fall down but out of the corner of my eye i saw charles just like tip like like little baby steps on his way to the to the hockey stick to shoot the puck uh, and I, I grab well. I grabbed the stick. By the time I grabbed the stick, I was already like, I was starting to not be dizzy anymore. And I, I tried to wrist it, and I, I missed wide left. Uh, but at that point, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, okay, I guess I missed and I lost. I thought, I thought it would be like, uh, you know, whoever got closer type of deal. But then like Stanley C. Panther, the Panthers mascot, is just shoving me towards the the front of the net, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna run to the net and like, I, the puck came out to me i think andrew was a bit upset because he said somebody kicked it out to me but literally kicked it out to me but i i, I grabbed the puck uh and i handled it pretty well and i just wristed it into the net and and i won uh i'd never shot in an nhl net before and i could say i finally have that experience but um i didn't Where'd... see you fall down <laughs> so let me explain what happened on my end so i was i apparently the last person to shoot I didn't know who shot first. Um, like uh, Han Solo? Right. I didn't know who shot first, but I, I figure I was the last person to shoot. So I go, I miss it completely, although I think I could have taken a little more time to shoot, but I just wanted to put something on that. So I run down along with everybody. As soon as my shot missed, or whoever the last shot missed, they all released us to go down to try and pick up a rebound and shoot it into the net which they hadn't told us we could do. So we're running down, well, shuffling down, really. <laughs> and I get there, and I, tr- I see that Francisco's coming up on the puck very quickly. 
So I kind of go out of my balance mode and try to get to the puck quicker, get to it, pull it back, and shoot. Um, he beat me still. He Even before I got to the puck, basically, Francisco had already shot and scored. But by that time, I was hopelessly off balance, so I fell back. Speaking of falling back, my microphone just fell back. Um, I fell back and landed... I had a little bit of protection, I guess, from my my right hand, which was put behind me. But I basically fell completely on my butt back. It's just complete opposite of a face plant. But I knew that I looked ridiculous, but I figured, you know what? If I'm going to go out a failure, I'm going to go out like a champ. So I fall on the ice, and I immediately scream like, yeah! And I raise my <laughs> I raised my arm. I didn't even hear that. With the with the stick in hand, and I'm just cheering while I'm sitting on my sitting on my back on the Florida Panthers home ice. Um, it was really nice though. I the EMT they had a a paramedic EMT there as I got off the ice to ask if I was okay, and I said okay, but in the back of my mind I'm like I have never been better. <laughs> Because that was just such a a rush, and man, talk about perfect timing. I mean, we were just about to leave the concession area, and we get pulled over. Not not only that. So before the game, they had like the Marlins thing. We were throwing like some baseballs mm-hmm. uh, at a at a thing. So then, like you guys went over to that Panthers puck shooting thing. Uh, so it was like stickball, and. Uh, I think Charles had mentioned, you mentioned that was like the first time you ever held like a hockey stick and you shot it. So it was pretty good that you got finally, you got some practice in before that. See, it was, it was all just, uh, it's all in the grooving. Cause I like to think that I didn't shoot the puck on the ice that badly. I just kind of put a little bit too much because I did my spins. I, I still swear that the guy counting rigged it. Cause I, I counted 11 spins. He counted only like nine by the time I got to like 10 points. So I'm either going on a full revolution or a revolution and a half debatable. So I'm kind of like, I'm just trying to get my bearings. I just see Francisco and I realized how close I was getting to Francisco. Cause my body's equilibrium was just going to left and my arms were kind of flailing. So I felt <laughs> like I was doing a thriller dance or part of a thriller dance. And so I'm just going there, and then I had to, like, take a pause. But the problem is, is, like, the natural competitive spirit in me didn't want to, like, lose, but I didn't want to run and crack my skull. <laughs> you know what we're going And, you know, so then I got to the puck and I shot it. And for anybody who is a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it felt like that episode where Mac and Charlie go on the ice and Mac's just atrocious. And I was just feeling like Mac, because I've ice skated before and whatnot. Um, not that I'm good at it, but, you know, like everything else, you just got to take your time. But I, I was just expecting something's going to happen. And then, like I said, I didn't know if my food and my beer was going to come up on me, but I would have laughed uh, <laughs> if it did. Because it, it, and us being, a, you know, us being lawyers and whatnot, the hard part of it is that we're, we're like, the guy, I, this is what stuck out to me. is like, did you guys sign a waiver agreement? I'm like, oh, no, we really should. <laughs> so when the injury comes, you're just going to help us out. But uh, it, I, I think it was destiny. Either Andrew paid it off, and he was like, all right, guys, here's experience to support good people. Or it was destiny. It was fate because it, it's perfect sense that we had to be there and have that happen at that moment. Call it what you want. And 
props to me. I was the last person to order food because I got some of those wonderful crab fries. Uh, I'll bring them up as a non-sponsor later, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. So that was our experience at the hockey game. I have uh, uh, I have Wes McCauley's goal calls up here. Uh, so let me let me play that real quick, and then we'll actually move on to our actual show. So here, the puck looked like it may have crossed the line. So, so we're they're gonna review the play to see if the puck actually crossed the line. So here's the here's the the replay, and then I guess we're gonna get Wes real soon. One one second. So that's Wes McCauley right there. He's actually a pretty tall dude, but they might have just been him on the skates too at the same time, but he's a Paul. I think he's genuinely a tall person. So there he is for the crowd. I think the Rangers are on television commercial break right now, and he's waiting for the red light to be turned off. Now the fans will now get the call. Was determined that the puck six one completely cross the line. We have a goal. <laughs> 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 he made him wait, but he knew they I love that one. Depending on which way it goes, there could still be a coach's challenge. After this, fighting like it's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> we have a result. Test your might. Here's the announcement. Here's our next one. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. I wish we had gotten a replay. We we were that was the one thing we were missing. Here's the Islanders one that you were looking for, Andrew. Wes McCauley, everybody. Uh, all right, so guys, uh, 
I guess I want to start with, since uh, I guess nobody's going to be talking about this. Well, people did talk about it following this weekend. The Alliance of American Football started this past weekend. And even though there were some blowouts, especially the, the uh, Orlando Apollos, and then you have the Memphis Express, who didn't score at all, uh, there was some some highlights there. There were some highlights. There were some, some actual good games that were played. Uh, obviously, these guys aren't at NFL level talent, but you had some 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 highlights. I think Trent Richardson for the Birmingham Iron, that's singular, not plural, scored three touchdowns in his game against the Memphis Express. And uh, so, there's obviously the guys want to do this league just to get some some game tape on them, so that maybe they could make some NFL squads. Uh, I mean, there's only so many practice squad uh, sp- spots available. So, and obviously these guys, there's barely an arena football league now. And then the Canadian Football League uh, is out there. But obviously different rules, different field sizes for both of those leagues. So this is probably the closest we're getting to an actual minor league for the NFL. So uh, did you guys even catch any of the games? I watched I the majority not. of the. Oh, go ahead, Charles. Oh no, no, no! He yeah, did not. I, I did. Not because I didn't want to. It's just timing, mm. and I, I just watched some of the highlights, like Trent Richardson, and I'm like, oh, hey, it, it's good, but it kind of went as expected. Just there was gonna be some ugly games, and there was gonna be some fun, entertaining games. Give it time to grow. Let the guys be more comfortable, and then you'll get something going. But that's my thoughts on that. Oh, and there's an ad for Pollo Tropical, one of our non-sponsors. Oh, nice. Hmm. It's fitting. Um, I watched the majority of the Apollo game because a it's it's Orlando, which is my hometown. But then, two, it was played in particular at UCF's home stadium, and there were five. Why UCF and not the the Citrus Bowl? There's because of the soccer team. The soccer team doesn't play there anymore. Oh, they don't. Mm-hmm. Oh. They have their own stadium. Oh, okay. The kind of the general consensus that everyone thinks is that either the Apollo's got a better deal through UCF or that's probably actually the, the biggest idea because UCF doesn't have any, uh, they're a much smaller entity than Florida Citrus Sports, which is who runs the the citrus bowl so and they have all these bowls and things like that so they tend to be a bit greedy i think okay but that's an aside right so they play at ucf's home stadium spectrum stadium so is that there are five former ucf players on the apollos and then also regardless of all that it's an orlando team so naturally i'm going to support them so i watched most of that game, I, I most had to go step away every couple of minutes or so, every now and then. But I watched that game pretty much from from end to end, and that was fun. They had the Orlando special. <laughs> um, there was, if anyone doesn't, anyone knows the Philly special from Super Bowl Fifty Two, where a almost kind of it was a modified Philly special, the quarterback handed off the ball to a running back who did a uh, who did a jet sweep to the left 
and then someone from the left side runs around, gets the ball handed off to him by the running back, who then throws the ball to the quarterback, who was kind of playing as a decoy, playing possum, and then just shows up out of, out of nowhere in the end zone for a touchdown. And a lot of, it was a bit before my time, but a lot of people are saying that this is very much a Steve Spurrier offense, type of offense, fun and gun from back when he was with the Florida Gators. And that would make sense since, well, he's the head coach. So that was fun. I think overall, the there was a big hit in the uh, San Antonio Commanders uh, San Diego Fleet game that everyone has started saying, all right, the AAF is already better than the NFL because there was a huge hit that literally took the quarterback's helmet off. It was... <laughs> I mean, what, what, we... we um... See it right now. I just have the Birmingham Iron uh, Memphis Express game highlights going, but uh, from what I'm hearing from sports radio right now, especially former NFL players, there's some former NFL players who are training these guys and are actually coaches on this. I think Mike Singletary is a coach for mm-hmm. Memphis. Um, yeah, I think yeah, which doesn't bode well for his return to the NFL if that's if that's the performance they're going to give every night, but. Um, there's, uh, I think, uh, who was it? Chris Chambers was training a lot of these guys. I don't know if anybody remembers him, but a player we can remember to forget. He played for the Dolphins. I think he was, uh, pretty, he was a pro bowler one year as well. And, uh, from what it seems like this aired on CBS sports and NFL network as well. So that kind of gives me hope that maybe the NFL can look at this as a sort of G league uh, if anybody doesn't know, G League is the NBA's minor league system. And before the NBA didn't have a minor league system. And now for, I guess, maybe like 10 years now, they've had a, a development league. And players are actually coming out of it. So, so maybe this is a way for the NFL to do this. Uh, ha- have some players, maybe have some some practice squad guys play in these teams. And maybe, maybe uh, have a shot, a legitimate shot at at some playing time or you have the other way around which is what happens in the G League as well you have a bunch of college guys who are who go undrafted and these teams can pick them up as well i think the the thing is with these rosters i think they're limited to like a 38 man roster which is pretty small for compared to the 53 on the NFL and there's some different rules i don't think they don't do kickoffs and um I forgot what I think. Running backs only rush for a certain amount in a row. Um, there's there's a few rules that are different. Just I guess for the safety of the players. Even though we did see some big hits, which could be the other thing that but keeps the, the league going. The thing about those hits, though, is they were all clean. Um, like, Obviously, the players are going to have to play in a way that would adhere to NFL rules if they were going to. They can't just be hitting everybody over there and then reach the NFL and they know they can't do that. Right, but already, like, for instance, I'm not sure if he showed it, the hit um, on the on the fleet quarterback. Um, pretty much everybody is saying that if that were in the NFL, <laughs> at minimum it would have been a roughing the passer penalty. And people are joking. It's like uh, that player would have been on death, on death row because of Roger Goodell. Um, so it was a... Big but clean hit. It 
wasn't helmet to helmet that much, or even if it was, the the head wasn't the principal point of contact. It was a pretty clean hit, and all the big hits basically were clean. And a lot of people are applauding that, applauding the umpires, the referees, the officials to kind of let them play. What do you think, Charles? Uh. I mean, the rule changes sometimes kind of lead to some bitterness. Like, it it puts kickers at a futility position uh, because they go for automatic twos, um, I believe, when they score a touchdown. So it's always going for the extra point. It's either that or they go straight to seven. But I think it's always the two-point conversion they go for. I mean, the roster is kind of slow, but the thing is, you know, they only have so much money they can fund with. My concern is that, because this is not the first time I've heard about, oh, hey, this could be a connection with uh, the NFL itself, is that, one, you have to kind of change, you have to change the time period of it, right? So the better revenue would have to be during the NFL season. And then, two, you it would be such an overreach. Well, not an overreach in a bad way, but a reach of the system itself, because then you have to have coaches who have the same game plans for the practice squad people well, I'm going to call it the, there's a practice squad or scouting and then the below practice squad, which would be the AAF, because it's not like, oh, we're just going to sign this guy. He's contributed team. There's plenty of people who do that for practice squads and they're just bodies in case injuries happen. I mean, look, they'll still get some of their guarantee or some of their money, you know, because when you're signed up for the practice squad to the main roster, you got something going on. Um, but also playbooks are not easy to learn. So imagine being in this kind of league learning the terminology of Mike Singletary, which I don't even know if there's a terminology, just a lot of angry shouting. And then you get somebody <laughs> like a Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, uh, Greg Williams coach defense, which has shifts, stunts, different front seven looks, different terminologies, different kind of linebacker positions. Are you a Mike? Are you a, an edge rusher? Are you this? Are you going to drop back? You know, all this is is teaching guys that they might be able to play, but it's not an, an NFL system. It's using former NFL and college coaches who really, if you look at the pool here, these are not renowned stud of coaches. The closest guy that was there was Brad Childress, and he bailed. You know, Mike Singletary, fantastic football player, horrible head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. This is a coach who kind of took his pants down in the locker room to kind of motivate the guys. Can't play with them. Because they Can't do it. Play. Yeah. You know, I mean, so – what was that say for the developmental? I mean, I think Mike Marks is there, but I always felt Mike Marks was a product of his his uh, his tool pieces. Because this is a guy who had Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, I mean, Isaac Bruce, uh, a couple other names. That that's basically a monkey could have could have coached that team, you know? Yeah, because after Marks left, look at how bad it went for like uh, Scott Linehan. Yeah, I mean, granted, he didn't have Kurt anymore, but he had some. Other people, he had like Steven Jackson, and then he had um, the quarterback who I, I looked at him the other day because I was going to scout him for like a player. It's so bad. Mark Bolger. There you go. Um, you know, oh, I remember some that. guys kind of continue on with their roster. So, yes, this is. I looked at the AAF and as I will look at the XFL as being something for background noise, you know, because right now it's like the dark period. It, of it, it, it might be their niche, really. <laughs> yeah, and that's perfect because, I mean, it's. You have some real NFL players in there who played for multiple systems or for multiple years. Trent Richardson, uh, Denard Robinson, Aaron Murray. But I don't see how this is actually going to want to help. It's not going to help me if I'm an executive to say, let me get these guys who are older 
maybe you were hampered by injuries. I mean, Zach Stacy's there. That, that's another name that comes in. The guy was mm-hmm. a starter for the Rams until Todd Gurley came in. It's like, hey, you're, you're dispensable. Sorry. Um, how is this really going to help guys with the NFL? It's not, because also let me give you a point. You keep it during this time period in February, guy gets injured, guess who's not getting called up during uh, summer training camp? But uh, honestly, yeah. I, I don't think you could schedule it for any other time other than now because I think the the USFL made the same mistake where at first, well, they, they were trying to compete with the NFL. I don't think this league is even yes, trying to do that. However, the USFL was played in the spring and I think it was doing pretty all right for that time period. And then they wanted to go directly at the NFL and played during the same time uh, frame in the fall and the winter. I think this league wouldn't benefit at all because you have the NFL, which is a massive juggernaut. And then you have the other juggernaut, which is the NCAA in college football. I don't think people would like, uh, I don't think people would want to see a drop off. Cause some of these teams, I don't even think they could even, some of these guys may even be able to beat Clemson or Alabama, uh, but very true. I, so I don't see a reason for for them to 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 play at all during the fall or the, or, or early winter uh, through January and because because of the fact that they're I I think being a spring league um, a developmental league is is better. You could have guys uh, because the season's not going to be long. By the time I think when do they end in April? I think they end in it's April. Ten week season. Yeah, ten weeks. Yeah, it's just ten weeks. Yeah, exactly. So, so that gives plenty of time for because I think they they even made it this way so that by the time I think some of the mini camps open, these guys can actually be part of the teams if if teams actually sign them uh, to any sort of contract. And I think well, there there's clauses in the AF contracts that say they could bail for an NFL squad whenever they want. So this league is purely developmental right. and purely minor league. And I think it works. I think it works that they're in San Diego and San Antonio and just non-NFL cities. The cities that they chose were on purpose. Not right. just because with one exception, maybe. I mean, you have Atlanta. Right. They're playing at old Turner Field. Right. I think with... With just the Atlanta exception, I don't know off the top of my head. I should though. So Atlanta, Salt Lake City, Orlando, Birmingham, Memphis, San Antonio, San Diego, and St. Louis, right? Not St. Louis. No, St. Oh no, St. Louis. Maybe in the XFL. Sorry, but uh, but two two reasons why this is was designed to be spring league. One. All of these cities are in the south and are in fairly temp- temperate areas. The, the furthest north city is Salt Lake City. And that's the furthest. Well, no, San Diego's the first west, sorry. Right. And second off, uh, as you mentioned, there's no conflict at all with either the NFL or NCAA or any pro football league for that matter. And... There, the hope behind this was to make this a development league. So, you know, who knows how it'll go? And like, you, like you had mentioned, the rosters have clauses in them saying there, there are a lot of guys who are technically on NFL practice squads, and they're also playing in the AAF right now. So it's meant to kind of be a go between almost. I heard some people would say that we should pronounce it double AF, <laughs> which. I think rolls off the tongue a little better. Double A? Yeah. Or people just call it the Alliance. It sounds like double A, like double A baseball, you know? Mm. 
All right, any more thoughts on the AAF? I mean, it's only been one week. We'll see what happens next week. Maybe Memphis can actually score a point. I got one to talk about. Okay. Because uh, you guys mentioned it. Well, you guys didn't think that some of these guys could be a college guy. They're, they want it to be a developmental league, but there could be a problem because there's been some rumors, and I don't think it happened this season, but it might happen in future seasons, like a year or two from now, of just expanding the game day rosters and the practice squad rosters because these guys are a little bit mm. older. You know, they, they weren't good enough to get signed on. So what happens is if you expand practice squad rosters, if you expand game day rosters, the guys who are already in that year's draft or the prior year's draft that they get signed or had some issues, they're going to flood it. Not 28-year-old Zach Stacy, you know, right. not Bernard Robinson. Because I know they also want this to be a feel-good story, but maybe it's because I've seen the movie Annie too many times. They, no one wants to go adopt a ginger. Sorry. <laughs> no one's going to want to adopt a Trent Richardson, it, especially if there's more avenues. So I, I think it's good, but there's complexities in football and also that you still have younger guys and get from the drawing pool, right? Pretty much like the, like, like the G league, like mm-hmm. the NBA G league, as far as uh, college players and, and maybe, I don't know. Well, not international as far as football, but maybe even some Canadian football players could even come down here and then try and develop themselves. Yeah. Alrighty. So, so yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. It's so far, I think, as far as the first week, I think it was a success because we actually people are actually talking about it. There yes. are people who are quote unquote pledging their alliance to various teams already. I mean, I haven't. Um, gosh, what what team would I would I even go for? I, I mean, there's Orlando, obviously, but Steve Spurrier coaches them, so I don't think I can do that. Uh, being a Seminoles fan and alum, so I mean, San Diego just because uh, fu Spanos. Uh, so maybe, or maybe even San Antonio because uh, they're the closest city to El Paso. All right, guys. Uh, I wanted to transition here to a a segment that I haven't done in a long time. And that's where the heck is Douglas Solar? Seriously. Where in the world is he? he? Okay. Because... uh, He's so for some reason he's still part of the show. He's still part of our Facebook group. So uh, he's probably working right now, doing something. And I have a city that I, I wanted to to see if you guys can guess where the heck Doug is in the sports world. Ooh, I love this. All right, so this city has a it, it, its name derives from the Scottish Gaelic name for Edinburgh, which is the co- the capital of Scotland. Mm-hmm. So that's your first clue. Second clue, it's home to several beaches, including Honeymoon Island, Caledesi Island State Park. And it's re- consistently rated among the best beaches in the world. Uh, its downtown business district is notable for its absence of large commercial signage, corporate franchise restaurants, or chain retail stores. Okay. And it's, I guess to get a little closer, it's in Pinellas County, Florida. Clearwater? Nope. You're you're assuming I know what's in Pinellas County. Pinellas is near Tampa. It's around Tampa Bay. Tampa. He's in Tampa. Nope, he's not in Tampa. Not in Tampa. But you guys are, I mean, you're obviously in the area. All right, so another one. Um, uh, There... 
It's been the home of the Toronto Blue Jays spring training since 1977. Dunedin. There you go. All right. That's the first. That's it. So Douglas Solar is in Dunedin, Florida, which is home of the Toronto Blue Jays spring training facility. What's and, he doing there? Well, uh, he's, he's there because spring training has finally started. And that's my transition to us talking about baseball. <laughs> so, guys, we're no longer on the countdown marker for spring training. We are... Now, pitches and catches have reported. JT Realmuto is a Philly. Not for the JT Realmuto thing. Oh, but that, that spring training has begun. Yeah, spring training has begun, even though guys have probably been there since January, anyways, training. But we finally have baseball being played in some sort of sense. And I'm excited, even though I am a Marlins fan, I am excited because Jeter has completed the teardown and. And he's he's making Yankees South at this point, and it'd be nice if he and his buddy Jorge Posada were actually on the roster and maybe ten years younger, uh, or no, maybe yeah, ten years younger because two thousand nine they won the World Series. So I hate to be honest, but I think that a retired Jeter and retired Posada would still be better than some of the guys on the team. Maybe because we have Curtis Granderson on the team and he's basically retired at this point too, and Sergio Romo, we just signed him for some reason but we needed some veteran presence in the bullpen so i can get that and obviously uh he's he he's he, if he has a good season he'd be great trade bait for the deadline in july mm. so guys spring training has started what what are your hopes and dreams as we uh we begin my my hope is the marlins don't lose 100 games even though tanking would be beneficial for us You want, you want to take that one, Andrew? Go ahead. Oh, Charles, we, you're the Yankees right. fan, and obviously there's only one goal. I want us to sign Dallas Keuchel. You know, this this cold market is perfect for us to get a one-year, $20 million contract in there to see if he's really worth an extension at 31. Pitchers have longevity. We still need a number two because the main goal is I want us to actually get to the World Series and win the World Series, but to do that, we have to top the Red Sox who have the pitching in the arm. We have the slug even though Aaron Judge freezes every now and then and Giancarlo looked a little deer in the headlights but we have a lineup of batting not to the murderers row uh, heights that we had when Matsui and Sheffield were around but it, it's all about that pitching it's been issues so no one's touched on him there's some rumors out there of the Padres who's just trying to take a bit into every big fish um, a couple other people but it, it just seems like the time is right because I really don't want to run on a bullpen of we got we'll have you know my uh i'm looking up stuff as i'm talking so forgive me but you know we have cz coming back for probably half the season so you know because he just gets injured you have um severino who just went down the stretch last year very badly after the all-star break james paxton's going to be good for us to kind of work with so i'm excited you know i'm excited for that but you know he might take some time and then ja hap so it could be one of those things. We get Dallas Keuchel, and then work into the rotation, putting Sabathia, if anything, as a every now and then starter, or even better, just maybe putting in the bullpen. Because I just don't see him lasting too long. You know, he's going to get injured, isn't he? He's going to give out again, right. and it's going to yeah. be done. And plus, also, it is part of that time we have to think a little bit in the future for pitching. So, getting a guy on a one-year deal now, see how it works for both parties, so you can decide to sign him more. Some people might say, as Yankee fans or analysts, say, hey, Charles, work with the rotation that you have now, but we 
we ran that rotation and we had to get J.A. Happ. And I'll tell you now, I think Dallas Keuchel's a better pitcher than J.A. Happ. Even though J.A. Happ had a good back end, you still want somebody who's effective. And I know Keuchel had a kind of rough year, but I think that was more of an anomaly. Yeah. I. This all goes towards, I mean, the fact that he hasn't been signed. It all goes towards the fact that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have still not been signed. So here's a tweet from Justin Verlander. 100 or so free agents left unsigned. The system is broken. They blame rebuilding, quotation marks, but that's BS. You're telling me you can sign Bryce or Manny for 10 years and go from there. Seems like a good place to start a rebuild to me. 26 to 36 is a great performance window too. So this is obviously Justin Verlander saying, uh, because the fact is, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado not only are looking for big paydays, they're looking for long-term deals. So 10 years uh, minimum, I would say, because obviously guys like Albert Pujols and uh, Miguel Cabrera have received such massive deals with massive uh, long contracts. Uh, Jason Worth, another guy, uh, Ryan Howard. However, there's the, the fact that those contracts can kind of bite you in the butt at the end of the term because players performance drops off and it could drop off significantly depending on the player some guys just don't condition as well some guys just keep getting injured uh some you, rarely are you going to get like a Barry Bonds even though you know there's we there's a, a lot of suspicion as to how he was able to last that long but uh, players like Jeter and, and, and those types of players do fall off the wayside. Even you saw A-Rod as well. Once, you know, he stopped taking his uh, his PEDs, he, he, dro- he fell off the wagon as well and dropped off pretty quickly. So, but the issue is MLB owners don't, don't want to give that long term anymore. I think uh, Giancarlo Stanton had a 13-year, has a 13-year contract, and obviously he can opt out, and he probably won't. Uh, he'll stay with the Yankees, and you'll have to deal with that, Charles. However, it's it's good. we're gonna reach ahead. I think we're gonna get a, a work stoppage, guys, in a couple of seasons if this doesn't end. And I, I don't. And guys like Dallas Keuchel and a bunch of other players are waiting on these big money guys to get signed to allow it to happen. So. I, I don't. No, hold on, guys. Technical difficulties. All right, and I, it kind of makes me sad a little bit. But at the same time, look, I was on the side of the owners for the NHL players stoppage, and look, the Marlins are not going to sign these guys. So Justin Verlander, we're rebuilding, but we're not paying. We're not paying. I don't even think we could afford any of those two guys. Um. I still think they will get signed, but maybe for not that long term. I could see a four or five year deal, uh, akin to some of the NBA players, uh, what they're getting, and maybe that's probably the way the players should should go about it. Maybe, uh, even though individual players in baseball can't drive teams as much as in the NBA, look, you could sign Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, but they're not going to win you a game because they can't pitch. And that's not just not going to happen. They could hit three. They could bat 300 for the season, hit 30 plus home runs, 
have uh, 150 plus RBIs and what have you, but you could still have a team that's 70 and and uh, I can't do math, but 90 something, uh, 92. There you go, 70 and 92 and miss the playoffs. So and we've seen it before. Uh, I don't think owners want to have that deal as well. So I, I'm. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm very wary of signing a guy for 10, 10 years because, uh, like Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper had a very hot and cold type of season where he, he had a low batting average, but he had the power numbers. And it may be an anomaly or it may be his, his trajectory going forward, but that doesn't help a team very much uh, with one player. So. Um, but I'm I'm on a franchise that can't even afford these guys, so that's probably why I have my opinion. And uh, maybe Charles has a different one. He's got he's on a team that can afford these guys, even though the Yankees don't really need to look for Harper or Machado. But it's hindering guys like Dallas Keiko, guys the Yankees could use, right? Yes. And Tampa Bay's not gonna gonna sign these guys either. They don't have the money for it, even though. I, they were somewhat in the mix of for Real Muto because he's still under his rookie contract, and that's the only reason why some of those teams were even trying to bite on Real Muto. Uh, yeah, we've, we've got, got no shot, shot at Real Muto. Muto. Well, after his current contract, because uh, his current contract, he's still on his work. He's basically the rookie scale with I think arbitration, uh, but um, the Phillies obviously can sign him to an extension if he does well this season. Right. I, I I think the Marlins are kind of in the same boat. I don't see I don't see us. I mean, any we high talked high. about it like last week or a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The, like we played the devil's advocate of okay, let's be on the owner's side, let's be on the player's side, right. and we can rule out a lot of those small market teams. Justin Verlander, what he's saying here, okay, rebuilding, blah, 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 but the Oakland A's aren't going to sign these guys. The Marlins aren't going to sign these guys. The, the, the Rays aren't going to sign these guys. Uh, what are the Orioles going to do with these guys? They just lost 100-plus games. Right. Uh, the Royals aren't going to sign these guys either. They just lost 100-plus games too. I mean, I think the last example of this was probably Jason Worth because I think he I think it was one season fresh off of the World Series win in 2008 and the Nationals signed him yeah. to like a massive contract. Right. Not Did they say didn't urinating tree say it was a dump truck load full of money? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a dump truck load full of money and even though worth may not have been <laughs> worth the money for for that massive contract but they still signed him to a lot of a, a good amount of years and he was there for the beginning of the Nationals reigning supreme over the, I would say, admittedly weak NL East uh, for that period. So, um, but I think a majority of these teams don't want these guys or don't need these guys. The Red Sox don't need them, really. Uh, the Yankees, I mean, they could use them, but I don't think they don't need them. And the Dodgers have been shedding money. Uh, for whatever reason, and then you've got teams like the Phillies who may be just looking out for Mike Trout more than anything. Why spend our money on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado when Trout could leave Anaheim in a few seasons? So I think this is going to go towards a, a, a work stoppage. That would be fun. I really, I really hope, hope it doesn't. doesn't. The, the last thing, 
meaning MLB already had a huge, really shot it, or had a really b- bad uh, week this week when they lost Kyler Murray seemingly permanently to the NFL. Because he came out on Twitter and said that <clears throat> that he was fully committing to football. That obviously doesn't preclude him from being a dual sport player somehow. Although everyone says that it would be impossible for him to do it. But the just the fact that he's saying, I'm putting baseball on the back burner for now, potentially forever... That's a huge loss for Major League Baseball. There was a great article about it in ESP, on ESPN. Uh, I'll link it perhaps later, but baseball needs to do a lot of fixing to get back into any semblance of a race with the other leagues for, uh, for profitability, for popularity, name it. Another work stoppage is the exact opposite of what they need. I think the NFL could survive a work stoppage or two. NBA survived it. NHL survived it. Baseball cannot have another work stoppage. All right. Um, But, okay, so outside of that, who's... The Reds have been tweeting a lot with Yasiel Puig. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, they're they're really excited for him. The Reds are making a push. Uh, it'd be funny if the Reds came out signing one of those guys. I, I don't know well, what they're doing, but I mean, Although it feels like they're um, the modern day Bears. Bears. I was gonna say something. Right. I saw a someone mentioned that there's potential foreshadowing on the part of Manny Machado because he posted. I think it was on Instagram, a picture of either baby boots or something or some kind of small article of clothing that had the Chicago White Sox logo on it. So some people are thinking, hmm, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's him. Maybe Machado is going to the Chicago White Sox. I'm not exactly sure how true that would be. I mean, I, I forget who was the, the last of the 5 million teams that was in the running for Machado. Well, they're aggressive for him because they were one of the few who was offering him like a seven-year, eight million or eight-year contract. It's just the numbers were matching up. Plus, I think they traded for his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and they traded for a couple of his boys. So, I mean, at, at this point, if he's if his agent isn't going to negotiate the whole, hey, okay, if you're not going to give us the long-term deal that we want, then give us a front-loaded deal that could equate to the annual average that we're seeking in a ten-year deal. Um, but at, at some point, too, is that these guys aren't going to want to rest on their laurels forever, you know, or they're going to find themselves in Jake Arrieta's position where he gets signed in March and has an uneven season. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, regardless, the guys are going to get signed. It just depends. Now with the Reds, I think what's happening is that they just kind of feel like the bad news bears of the bunch. We're going to trade for all these guys. Cause here's the difference. There's a difference between we're rebuilding where we have a systematic plan then there's the other kind of rebuilding with quotation marks where we're just going to get all these high-priced toys and hope it fits, right? right? We're putting some squares and, uh, you know, circle pegs here. Um, I don't necessarily – I mean, Yasuo Puig's all fine and dandy, but it's not like he was the forefront of the Dodgers. You know, he was there. He was a backbone, but it was always their pitching. It was Corey Seager. It was uh, Jock Peterson. You know, Yasuo almost got traded multiple times. 
uh, almost lost his job a number of times. I think he went down to the minors. You know, it, it, it's just it, you're you're bringing in you know some guys and you're just you're kind of taking a hope. Now, mind you, I like I like the fact that ownership of Cincinnati is saying, you know what, our fans deserve better. We deserve better. Let's do it. But as you two have mentioned for the Marlins and for the Rays, as at the end of the day, you're stuck with the limits of the uh, ownership. And some ownership is saying, listen, we're gonna we'll be happy to take a two three year relevancy a window of relevancy to make it to playoffs to be in contention and, and suck for six as opposed to being like the Yankees who are like it's a different tune because listen we only spent that money because we were winning mm-hmm. remember what happened to the damages what led to the implosion of getting CC Teixeira and um, AJ Burnett is we saw Boston winning and we saw Boston winning often right. part of it they're high price free agent additions but also their own natural talent so it, it was necessity creates uh, desire, necessity creates necessity, um, and we have the cash flow to it. Maybe it's good to have that ultra-competitive um, you know, ownership who always wants to buy stuff, but people also got to remember, too, at the end of the day, these are owners who you can only afford what you can reasonably afford. It's not like, poof, you're, you're wealthy. You're beyond wealthy if you own an MLB team, an NBA team, an NFL team, NHL team, you name it, uh, hell, a football not not American football, but a football team. Right. But right. at the end of the day, you still have to be responsible for your finances. So if I'm going to pay this guy X amount of money for a decade and not get anything that yields results, then what? I can listen, and, and maybe there's hypocrisy in there, and I'm playing a lot of advocacy to the owners, but I come from an ownership and a team that put through money into people that didn't work. So maybe, you know, if the idea of if I'm running a business, I'm not going to want to pay a lot of money to just the players. I would rather pay more of that money into the managers, the coaches and everything to keep the team tight and a unit. But that, that's a different philosophy and, and it's not appropriate for a sports world. But you gotta feel some sympathy at the end of the day, you're writing millions of dollars and just, you can do different stuff with the, you can do a lot of different stuff with millions of dollars. You could probably do some good in the world. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah. I'm trying to think of it from the player's side. Now, the players... The thing is, with Major League Baseball players, I don't know if they're... Maybe maybe the value of them isn't as much anymore. One, because the sport isn't as popular now uh, as before. Players like McGuire and Sosa back in the... 98, 90, let's, let's say around, around 1998, they, they probably, probably could have commanded a king's ransom. Right, and the just thinking about it, I, I don't know. I, I like I've always like the like the Giancarlo Stanton contract when the Marlins did it. I was excited one because we actually committed to a player like that. But two, figure in the back of your, your mind, mind there was, was no way he was going to stay to the end of that contract. That was so backloaded. Of of course, but at the same time, like it at least guaranteed the first six seasons, right. which is an eternity for a Marlins fan. Right. So I, I'm not sure. I don't know if I can side with the players, but I just don't see them as val- as as valuable as before. Plus with. Uh, saber metrics and, and things like that and uh, scouting has gotten better we're able to to push uh, we're able to see guys uh, much much earlier kind of determine 
uh, talent a lot better than before. And a lot of teams are even getting out in front of these contracts and signing players to, to somewhat longer term deals, maybe five, five years or so, uh, just as they're about to hit their prime or it looks like they're going to hit their prime. Uh, so uh, a lot of the small market teams are doing it and now the big market teams are even doing it. So paying the big giant free agent isn't as important as it ever was before. Um, obviously, the Yankees used to do it, but as you can see now, the Yankees have decided, hey, we'll do our homegrown stuff. And when those guys are ready to go, we can sign them to long-term deals. Uh, but we don't have to at, anymore. Uh, so a lot of teams uh, like Boston, New York, L.A. have decided, hey, man, we've we've done it on the cheap compared to signing these guys what's the point of of signing a 10-year contract for this guy if he's only going to be good for us for maybe half of that deal five years and the other five years we may even just we might even be rebuilding at that point because uh, you see verlander saying oh rebuilding yeah we could be rebuilding now by the mid middle of that contract maybe the player is at his peak or is uh, about to uh head downhill from his prime and uh the team's window of opportunity is only so so big i mean we we rarely get to see um a window of opportunity for a championship last so long i mean the giants had it from 2010 till 2016 so that was six seasons the phillies had the same thing that's half or or so of that of those 10 12 year deals um so it may not; those last five years may not be worth it. Hey, if the window opportunity is only five seasons, why not just sign up for five seasons? Right. All right. It's kind of unfair for Verlander to say that too. Just to chime in real quickly, because this was a guy who was looking at he was he was outstaying his welcome in uh, Detroit because his velocity went down, his skills went down, he right. wasn't having as many strikeouts, and he got traded to Houston. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it right now, he won in Houston because the team won in Houston. Like, he didn't really blow any of his games, and then he had a resurging year. But it's easier with a pitcher because pitchers, if they know how to pitch, and he's a great pitcher, probably a future Hall of Famer if all things get set in the dust, um, they have myriad of skills to work with. A two-fastball, a four-fastball, a curveball, cutter, change-up, a slider. You have variations. When you're talking about these primary hitters who – are hoping on slugging percentage, on base percentage, batting, and batting averages, it's a decline, and there's no resurgence. The, the, you mentioned Alex Rodriguez, his second and final year, he had the resurgence, and, and it really went downhill, and then we forced him out. So it's not – I get it where he's coming from. He's a guy who cares about the dudes, but it's from different shoes, man. Yeah. yeah no, it's true. I mean, you're, you're, if you're making – if he, he's he's made $100-plus million in his, in, in his whole career, so it's it's – it's tough for us to listen to that and be like, okay, guys, look, if I even got paid for 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 five months, one um, percent of what you guys are getting paid, you know, I'd be good. Uh, it, it's hard to sympathize with the players. It's really. I I'm in a I'm in that same kind of boat as you, Francisco, because you know people should be paid what they're what they're worth. These guys have I mean, athletic skill unlike anybody else on earth. However, 
I would say baseball players are the least athletic of the four major sports. <laughs> but you get my point. Though. Yes, no, but uh, yeah, I, I, I get your point. I'm generalizing to all of pro athletics. But at the same time, there's only so much money that you can spend in a lifetime. I mean, um, who are you talking about that had the over $100 million in lifetime salary? Probably Justin Verlander. I can even look it up if you want. But Yeah, I mean, like, there reaches a point where a couple extra million, it's so weird saying this, but a couple extra million dollars here and there isn't going to exactly break the bank or hurt you long term. I mean, what do you think, Charles? Look, get it. I think what happens is if I'm a player, I'm coming from the I protect the players mentality where owners don't care about you and they'll just tell you it's just a business and you getting traded out can lead to you being washed out and no longer getting any future earnings or being released from your contract. Baseball's a little bit differently because you got to pay that up. But you see it happen in football, you see it happen in base, uh, basketball. Um, what happens is you're just telling people to say, hey, I think Chips Ahoy cookies are the best cookies. And other people say, no, Oreo cookies are the best cookies. Get the hell out of here. And you're going to reach an impasse and you're not going to get there. And I, I mean, to flash forward a little bit and reflect back what you talked about, it's going to lead to a strike more than likely. But the yes, it is probably collusion by owners. Yes, they're not paying dues their work. But the problem is you have 30 owners saying you are not as worth as much as you think you are. And when it's a collective voice that's doing it, guess who owns the league? Guess who has a say in it? Guess who is the reason why you're thriving? It's them. So maybe hitters get capped out at the $30 million per year annual average that Giancarlo gets and a few other guys. Maybe pitchers average out with a little bit higher or less. Or maybe it just leads to a half contract of no longer 10, but five, but we'll give you five years 55 or let me rephrase because i can't do math either but right. you're talking about we're, we're five lawyers, years 150 million <laughs> unless you're yeah. a tax lawyer five years tax lawyers five years 150 million five years 180 which that i rather do that because to be honest with you if i'm paying for the position of playing defense and you're not a pitcher because pitchers have longevity man you know they can go to 38 39 really the the drop off for baseball is what 31 32 i mean josh uh, josh donaldson you know, he got a one-year contract, and he had injuries at – he was a MVP? Or yeah, I'm yeah like three seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. and, it, it, you know, then he turns 30. I think he's 33 now. So 32, 31 was back-to-back injuries, and people had to eat that contract. I'm, I'm comfortable if I'm an owner say, okay, 20 – because here's the thing. In your rookie contract, you, you get your guaranteed money, but after your performance, you get your one big contract. And anything after that you get from your big contract is just a plus, man. So I'm comfortable as an owner saying, hey, 26 to 31, money. And, I'm not going to keep you from 26 right. to 36. And obviously Justin Verlander is biased because he's yeah. in the last season of his massive 10-year deal that he got from the Tigers uh, in 2009, yeah. in the offseason of 2009, 2010, whatever. But, yeah, he's made $198 million so far in his career. Uh, but, I, I mean – Obviously, to your point, pitchers are different. Maybe I I could see giving that up for a pitcher, but obviously pitchers can be the most fragile players as well. Once yes. that arm goes, they're worthless. Uh, as far as a, a hitter or something, you know, hey, Albert Pujols gets fat, he can be a DH, you know, that's basically what he's doing. Uh, or he gets old. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, the same thing. 
And uh, but that's we'll talk about the DH later on. <laughs> well, maybe not today, but maybe next week as far as whether we like it or not in the NL. Okay. Uh, but all right, guys, uh, we are an hour into this. We're at the halfway point. Oh, it's our favorite segment. It's it's a word from our non-sponsors. So, guys, uh, every week we have a, a product, services, goods, people, and, and what, everything else, really. Anything. Anything at all that we like. And we give a shout-out to them and thank them for their service. I'd like to jump in first here. Uh, Francisco and I were talking about this earlier, and I think we kind of alluded to it already. But I think our group non-sponsor for this week is the Florida Panthers and all related entities. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by the way, we didn't even say what we won for that game. Well, what you won. Well, Since he he was the one that shot the puck into the net, Francisco is your winner from the first intermission minigame. Thanks to the Miami Marlins, uh, we got four tickets to... A Marlins game with some 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 stipulations. Obviously, we can't go to opening day, which sucks because I actually wanted to. That would be the the game that I wanted to go to. It can only be a Monday through Thursday game, so we're cut out of the weekends, uh, Friday, Saturdays, and Sunday, and uh, so we're trying to find a date for for those for those games. There's some good teams on the schedule, especially in April. We have the Mets and the Cubs in that first. Uh, month so i'm thinking the cubs game but we we will discuss that on the side mm-hmm. uh just because i wanted I, I i haven't seen the cubs in a while personally so i'd like to i'd like to see them and they're 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 obviously still a talented squad so th- shout out to the panthers and the and the marlins uh for for giving us the 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 thrill of a lifetime uh, but uh, do you have an actual singular non-sponsor Andrew. I guess my singular non-sponsor would be... Well, this will be a nice... Well, let me go last. It'll be a nice segue into something. All right, Charles, you're up then. All right. So we had talked about before the show about possibly, you know, altering time schedules. And the only thing that mattered to me was I get my dinner. Because around 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night, I am hungry. And you know what I'm hungry for now, you guys? This new burger at Wendy's called Wendy's <laughs> Saltham Burger. Oh, I had it, I had it last week, and it was the Saltham Burger. They use their Saltham sauce or awesome sauce, and they have like with bacon and everything like that, and it's so good. My mouth is watering right now, and today's my day off from the gym because I don't go when we have the podcast. So that means your boy is gonna cheat. You know, <laughs> side note, ladies and gentlemen, there's Valentine's Day. Don't cheat on your girls or your guys. Cheat on your diet. Um, so I will be picking myself up after we're done the awesome uh, sauce burger uh, with some fries. So my non-sponsor week is Wendy's, just because of that delicious, mm, like kissing Jesus kind of burger right there. <laughs> Tastes so good, makes you want to slap your mama. Exactly. If, if anybody's seen Friday After Next, I have it here on screen. It's a quarter pound of fresh, never frozen beef, obviously. Uh, three strips of applewood, smoked bacon, melted American cheese, crisp lettuce, onion. I don't like onions on my burgers, but whatever. And pickle, all covered in our signature sweet, smoky, tangy sauce. A masterpiece signed with sawsome. Uh, it's, it's 640 calories. That's actually not no, bad not for bad a burger. Wow. 
Uh, that is not bad at all for for a fast food burger. So how are you gonna put that in front of me? Like that, that's the worst thing. Mm. That's like putting water. In front and that's of a man that's just the single. That's just the single. You know, you could always. Oh, you go double. Oh, you, you go, go double. Double or nothing when you're at Wendy's. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So that is the non-sponsor for Charles. Oh wait, we need your promo code. Oh, promo code. It's awesome. It's awesome. Oh, that's what I was it's awesome, baby. It's awesome, baby. Dick Vitale, <laughs> awesome baby college hoops for Sega Genesis, which is not my non-sponsor, but uh, I wanted to say that. And we might actually, if if I get things going this month, we might actually be able to play that live. Awesome baby. Dick Vitale's awesome baby college hoops. And uh, the reason I I, I mentioned that is uh, because of a YouTuber called Scott the Woes who did an entire special about it. Uh, so my, my non-sponsor this week, guys, you know what I like? I like hats. Yes, you do. I like mm-hmm. so many hats, like lots of hats. He does. Yeah. Like, uh, a, a, a large, a ridiculous amount of hats. Really? You could get lost in his hat collection and I'm not, I'm not, I'm as mild, you got, I'm mildly joking. And, you know, and Charles and, and Andrew know that I love hats and I, I used to coordinate myself throughout law school. I actually, uh, starting my second year, I don't know if anybody noticed, but I wore a different hat every day for about two months. So I never wore the same hat each day of school. Uh, and I just, I, just a challenge to myself. Let's see, can I color coordinate myself for two months straight? And I did. Uh, it was just a personal challenge for me. So my non-sponsor is New Era Caps, uh, only because uh, they are the official uh, cap provider for Major League Baseball for for many years now. They are the official cap provider for the NFL for their sidelines. So uh, let's let's pull up New Era caps. Now New Era is based out of Buffalo, New York, so they actually did something right up there, uh, other than lose four Super Bowls in a row. And 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 they and Brett Hall was in the crease, but you guys got screwed. Uh, so it's a sorry, Dominic Hasek, but you got your Stanley Cup of Detroit. I'm off on a tangent, but New Era caps based in Buffalo, New York, uh, and they the only thing going going well in Buffalo right now as of now. As of now, maybe they might get an AAF team in the future. I don't know, uh, because obviously the Bills are an NFL caliber squad. And there we are. We actually have uh, right there. Oh crap! That's a sweet looking Marlins cap. That is a genuine reaction from me, because wow, I like that a lot, guys. This is not a joke. I actually really like that one. I wonder how much it costs. That's the shop, the clubhouse collection. I'm gonna look at that. We're gonna look at that together, guys. Uh, They've got the Washington Nationals there in red. They got the A's logo with the elephant with the cross bats. They got Mr. Red Legs with his insane eyes. Uh, the LA Dodgers, obviously the Blue Jays, the Yankees, uh, the Rays. They've got every team. They cover the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. They're my hat of choice if I had to choose the different hat companies. Uh, you got Mitchell and Ness. You got 47 brand. Um, Nike makes their own hats as well, but... If you're going to go for a hat, I go with New Era. I wear my cap. I love fitteds. Uh, I wear fitteds. I'm more of a fitted fan than a snapback fan. Uh, with flat brim. I curve it just slightly. 
Uh, some people like it really, really curved, and uh, I obviously wear the the high crown. I think uh, Andrew, you're a low pro- profile fan. I'm a high crowns, and I haven't run into that many high crowns. But generally speaking, I feel like the high crowns just don't fit my head well. So you're a more low profile dude, right? And plus, all my years in in little league baseball or any baseball or whatever, we didn't have high profile caps. We kind of had mildly structured fit close to the head that's what i grew up with and i was honestly surprised when i started seeing all the new era actually does do aaf hats thanks to freddie who is kind of the the resident aaf expert in the discord discord verse nice so welcome freddie to the show everybody yep just looking at some Florida State hats right there. And obviously, the team that has the most URA hats is Charles's team, the New York Yankees. Of course. They're, the most, mm-hmm. they're probably the most popular pro team in the United States. Or the world. Well, uh, I mean, as far as baseball caps, I would say. I mean, there's people all the same color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, promo code. Gosh, I didn't even think of one today. I mean, uh, well, maybe probably holy crap, because that was probably my, my reaction when I saw that, Mar- that sweet Marlins cap. I'm actually going to look for it right now. Uh, the spring training collection actually looks pretty good for the Marlins. We actually covered that a couple weeks back. But... I, can see the, I can see his wallet crying. As the, as... I've, I've been pretty good with not buying a ton of hats. My last cap was, um, personally, the Miami Heat City Edition from last season, the white one. And I've seen the black one in person, but the snapback. So I, I got to look for the actual fitted. But yeah, yeah, this is this is good. I'm glad the Marlins are actually branching out and doing some cool stuff. So yeah, that's my non-sponsor. You're up, Andrew. Uh, my non-sponsor. I know we already covered them already, but is the Alliance of American Football. Oh wait, what's your what's your promo code? I already said it was holy crap. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. So, Alliance of American Football. It, like I said, we discussed it already a little bit, but I like the Alliance because A, gives Orlando a new team. B, it's kind of a good alternative to the NFL, which, considering that snooze fest of the Super Bowl that we had come off of a week ago, this was refreshing to see some hard hitting, some actual offensive action to see some of my favorite UCF players back, not just playing pro football, but back at home where they belong in Orlando at Spectrum Stadium at the Bounce House. But also to kind of, I know they're a minor league per se, but they're pushing the NFL to go in a more positive direction. For example... There, they had cameras and microphones with the referees inside of the booth. They had a replay official, so you knew exactly what they were saying at all times. And it was cool to see that kind of uh, transparency that you don't really see from the NFL. So overall, I know it's still kind of a rough around the edges product, which makes sense because this is only their first week of competitive games. They had a preseason week two weeks ago i think but it's good to kind of see someone giving the nfl a run for their money a bit for a bit a bit even if they aren't per se actually competing with them directly um actually if freddie wants to add anything like i said freddie is 
the AAF expert. He's more popularly known on this show as the inventor and curator of FredRank, which is the most awesomest college football ranking system I have ever seen. He's started... It's in the it's in the development phase, but Freddie is doing a an AAF poll as well. So I kind of use this as an opportunity to to plug the AAF a bit more. I know it's not exactly a non sponsor, really, but uh, I wanted to get, get Freddie. It in could here. be our niche. We could be the official AAF podcast. Exactly. Uh, I, wanted I wanted to get, get Freddie in, in here as well, well because. because Freddie knows so much more about the AAF than I do, and he got in a little bit late of the show, so I wanted to give him an opportunity to say something. All right. So AAF is is my non-sponsor of the week. Uh, promo code. Not the NFL. <laughs> For a lot of people, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> Do you, Do you have, have anything, anything to, to add, Freddie, before we move on? What that y'all are too kind. I know we are. But seriously, though, I love Fred Rank. It's it's such a great little system. Well, not a little system. It's very complex. He took me through the ropes of it a couple of days ago. And it is infinitely complex. And the fact that he's able to kind of harness it all is incredible. Well, as he formulates his, his, his response to that. Uh, you actually said, because this is a perfect transition because it's college football. Mm-hmm. You said, this was a busy week for our, uh, for players getting a little into a little trouble, so to speak. So let's have our Fulmer Cup update. Uh, as, as, you, as you may not know, the Fulmer Cup is a, uh, Reddit college football uh, tournaments, if you will, for the off season, in which we get to see which college football program is the best or maybe the worst in some eyes, uh, with regards to disciplinary actions and their players being good boys or or being Billy McFarland. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, so far uh, we've had uh, what, what was the, a New Hampshire was last last week that had a big thing. And uh, so, so someone in the lead, did, did they finally score that? Uh, none of these have actually been officially scored yet. I'm, I'm getting on the other mods to start voting. Uh, but in the next couple of days, we should have official vote totals. Um, but we do have a few official crimes to announce. Yay! I'm trying, I'm trying to pull them up right now, but my computer is being slow, which is not yay. Was it posted on the RCFB uh, forum? Uh, it was posted on the Fulmer Cup forum. Okay, so if I look for it, uh, I should... I think I have it here. Okay. Yes, so our last show was when? It was was on the, the third, right? Right. Because the Super Bowl was on the, the second. Mm-hmm. So our last show was on February the 3rd. In the eight days since then, as I am delaying deliberately so that my computer will warm up, here we go. So, since February the 2nd, or February the 3rd, we've had... Shoot me that link, 
BT dubs. If you can. Yeah. So I can um, post it on the screen. We have had three crimes. Well, hold on. There was that Alabama defensive end, right? We had the Alabama defensive end. Um, and then you had those homeboys, those three homeboys up in New Hampshire that uh, kind of got into some frat right. stuff. Did I, did I mention the Nebraska? No. No. Okay. So four players from the University of Nebraska were charged with maintaining a disorderly house, which is just a fancy way of saying they were ho- holding a house party that got a little bit too rowdy. Oh, I thought... I thought somebody walked in there and was like, this is a dirty-ass house. You guys need to get a maid or somebody up and in here. Since the, So that was four gentlemen. From The next one happened... I don't know. I can't believe I didn't mention that one. Or maybe was released later. Next one... Oh, and the players for that one were... Oh, and standard disclaimer, we are not the official podcast of Fulmer Cup. I just happen to be a fan and a moderator of it, and I just like to give updates. But again, this is not officially sanctioned by the Fulmer Cup Committee. So that was four gentlemen. We have Antonio Butler, Matthew Farnick, Jack Stoll, and Bo Wilson from the University of Nebraska. On February 6th was running back Ramon Jefferson from the University of Maine was arrested for domestic violence assault and criminal mischief. Okay. That one, if I remember correctly, that one involved him and his girlfriend. I'm pulling that one up right now. I should have pulled this up earlier. I apologize for the delay, everybody. Uh, don't worry. I got on the screen some of the comments towards the, uh, the Nebraska uh, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, I had a better article somewhere. Well, I'll come back to Ramon Jefferson, I guess. Next up was, and that was on February 6th. February 10th was fairly busy as we had two arrests. We had Kerry Starks, defensive end from the University of Louisiana at Monroe, or University of Louisiana Monroe. He was arrested for domestic abuse, and then on December, uh, on February tenth, we had Javon McKinley, wide receiver from Notre Dame, who was arrested for resisting law enforcement and battery. Although the the way that battery is defined in Indiana, there Notre Dame's in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, they called it battery slash battery with bodily waste. Okay, that sounds worse. It sounds like he threw poop at him. See, I don't know what the, what the story behind that one is, but uh, I'm sure as more details come out, we will find out. And then there was another incident that came up that sparked a little bit of debate as to whether... It should be counted or not, but eventually it was ultimately decided that it was not. It would not be counted because, although he and he hasn't been charged yet, this player, but charges are possible. But the incident that's bringing this all up occurred last season before he was even a player. 
so it kind of clarified the rule that it's whichever comes first, the arrest or the incident, although obviously the incident would come first, it's when the incident occurs determines whether it's eligible for a season or not. So in this case, that crime was not eligible. So right now we have 11 gentlemen in the books for the Fulmer Cup from one, two, three, four, six schools. And officially no points have been awarded yet, but that is going to be coming in due time. So, and things have really picked up. I was talking to somebody that, so the, the former season, the former cup season begins the immediately after the national championship game ends. So that would be January 8th. Between January 8th and January 31st, so the first 20-something days of the season, there was only one arrest. Since then, from February 1st till February 10th, so like a nine or ten day period, there have been ten arrests. I think guys are just getting antsy now. They're February. They're living up in those uh, northern cities. They're just they, they need to. I don't know. They're just getting antsy, and mm-hmm. all they do is spend all day inside. So they got to do something. All right. So that's that's it. That's our update for this week. All right, boys. I don't think we can delay this any any longer. We we actually have to talk about the NBA trade deadline. I apologize to Cesar. Uh, we'll try and avoid talking about Anthony Davis uh, because obviously he didn't move anywhere. Uh, despite LeBron's poking and prodding and tampering. Uh, however, uh, it, it is time to talk about the NBA trade deadline. There was actually picked up that last week or so of uh, of the deadline and. And uh, I actually want to start with, which is funny, I, I want to start with the worst team in the league because I, I, I like tanks, guys. Uh, sometimes some tanks are, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty obvious, pretty glorious how teams are purposefully tanking and how, Tank how, how, how blatant it is as we play the NBA on NBC. Uh, <laughs> uh, a theme song behind that, if anybody's seen Urinating Tree, but... Uh, I want to start with the New York Knicks because it looks like they have made the moves to position themselves to have a lot of cap space to sign uh, a couple of max free agents. And uh, they are, of, of course, in the running for the number one pick in the draft, which could be Zion Williamson, who could, uh, if they do get that, could entice some players to play in New York City. They Madison Square Garden is still uh, a pretty pretty nice place to play if you can handle the the pressure. Uh, I like what the Knicks have done. They have been terrible for so long. Why not do this? If, even if they struck out, which would be funny, uh, because as a Heat fan, it it, it would it it just be perfect for for James Dolan to just strike out completely with that team uh, in this off season. I still think the Knicks are doing what they should be doing and bringing up. Bring, uh, obviously, they lost Kristaps Porzingis. They turned him off to Dallas to free up the space. Um, uh, also, Tim Hardaway Jr. is gone. Uh, it's they signed him for a lot of money this this past season. 
uh, starting for the season. And uh, he's still a pretty good point guard, not the best point guard out there, but he was serviceable and serviceable for his new team. But I do like what the Knicks have done. Uh, is positioning themselves to get one of these Max guys. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant, even though who knows where he's going to go. So, uh, Charles, uh, what do you think? What, what do you think with the, about what the Knicks did? Do you agree with it? All right. So, <clears throat> I feel like I got to do it systematically because so much of what the Knicks lead to what so much of the Mavericks did that I like a lot, but it also affects the whole Anthony Davis conversation. I know Cesar's not here, but it's going to all lead to that point at some time in the conversation. But for the Knicks, it's a trade that works. And the reason why it's a trade that works is because this, they were bad with the guys they had on that roster. Right. And just trade away. Like it's not even bad, atrocious, pathetic, non-competitive. Yeah. Well, what do you got? What do you got to lose? Right? Exactly. You're shedding the contracts of, Harway Jr., Courtney Lee. Trey Burke was on a cheap contract anyway. Remember, this was a guy who was floating around yeah. from his day in Utah um, where he wasn't doing anything. Um, and then Chris Aporzingis, he's not playing, and they didn't want to re-sign him. And he's kind of – all right, so this is always hard about being a respectable fan is that you don't know the guy to say to mine, you know where we're coming from, but I always kind of thought he felt like a prima donna a little bit. Uh, because his brother's his agent. He's like, I'm not happy with what they're doing. I'm like, well, play a full season, and then you can have a determination of whether or not you can put that input in there. Um, like, he's got skills, and he's probably, if he can stay healthy, it's going to mesh very well with Luca and the few other guys that they got in Dallas. But they did what they had to do. I think they also have the coach that they want in Dave Fisdale, bringing it back to Miami. You know, he's not going to be – he's going to be more akin to the Brett Brown situation as opposed to um, the coach they had prior, the former um, Jeff Hornacek, right. uh, where you know he was just on a fringe thing. This is a fully committed move by Steve Perry, by James Dolan. Uh, and look, you know, it's not as if you got trash with a trade. They traded everybody, and then Dennis Smith Jr. has already kind of shown his value. He had two games of 20-plus points after he got traded – he seems more comfortable. He seems more fluid. You got DeAndre Jordan. That's going to expire. Wesley Matthews already optioned out. But you also got two future first-round picks. And whether or not there's something that qualifies as being a top lottery pick or just a pick, it's still it, it's it's an arsenal. It's a weapon to use. That's how the Celtics and the Sixers were able to kind of build the teams that they have by kind of managing around all these picks from trading guys that were great players. Right. Because it's hypocritical because it's New York who does it. So the New York fans are like, oh, this is horrible. But yet Boston was like, oh, hey, uh, I, the two guys that we love with Garnett and Pierce, we're going to turn away because we know they're not going to do it for us. And let's just be bad that one year. Right. And, and I, don't, I don't see how any Knicks fan could see this as as a bad thing because, uh, like, I get it. I get Chris Tass was your guy. But, you, I mean, you guys hated the pick when he was drafted. It, it was the, part, the one yeah. thing Phil Jackson actually did right. But – uh, it w- he wasn't getting it done. He kept getting injured. He d- obviously probably didn't want to be there anymore uh, with just how things were going. And, and and really, the Knicks have nothing to lose. If they strike if they strike out on getting the number one draft pick, that's going to suck for them. And they could strike out on Durant and, and Kyrie and everybody else. And But they'll just be back to where they are, and they'll get try and get the number one draft pick next season. And, they, I mean, this is this is it. This is what they got to do. Really, maybe they might develop some players. Maybe their G League team 
uh, brings out some talent for them to, to transfer over to the NBA. But the Knicks have been in this sort of spiral for so long. They tried. They The Knicks have tried everything. They tried signing big money free agents. Uh, they, I mean... I think what really killed killed them was uh, the the Carmelo Anthony trade, the first one, uh, not waiting for him to hit free agency rather than just trading pieces of weights for him. And um, but uh, the Knicks have tried everything they they can with with the rosters, with different rosters. Their best season was what that. Uh, 2013, 2012-13 season, I think. Was... Yeah, when they were the second round, or they were the second seed. And yeah, they, the they lost. The... They lost to the Pacers in the semis. Yeah, yeah. that was after Lynn Sanity got injured. Right, right. That was that was their their best season in the past 20, 19 years, twenty years now. Uh, mm-hmm. so why not? Why not do this? I I commend them for doing it. I think Fizdale also probably just wants. The roster that he wants around him, hey man, he can. If anything, hey, mold these guys and coach them up and see what happens. Uh, there's really nowhere to go but up. And he's gonna get a fair shake too. This is not gonna be the James Dolan effect where it's like, all right, Derek Fisher, you're useless. Jeff Hornacek, you're useless. Uh, what Mike Woodson, you're useless. Right. Fizdale based Fizdale somehow sold management. Be like, look, if the storm is a chaos and it's all going to hell. I'm the guy that can fix. I can write your ship. I am your Jack Sparrow. I'm used to it. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, and that look, because he got a short end of the stick in Memphis. I'll right. say it right now. You know, I mean, he, he, he lost the players. He lost the players. And, yeah. you know, it, uh, it's hard for a rookie coach to come in there and be like, hey, and tell, you know, Marcus all and those guys what to do. But uh, he's in he's a great situation for New York. You know, they got and they got nothing to lose. They're at the bottom. Why not? I think they anticipate, too, that for New York Knicks fans, the two of them that I have, they told me, like, there's no way we're going to get Durant. But if we get him, that's just the additional prize because you can play around with a lot of stuff there. I mean, they it, it, it's New York, and guys still want to get paid. Right. It's just also kind of, you know, it's a soft market a little bit because there's a lot of guys who are going to come out. And you're going to test the waters. Like, you don't know if Clay is going to resign. But if Clay does, is he a guy that you want to pay as a top guy on a team? Or is he that great because he was a contributor to, I mean, Seth, and, or to Seth and to everybody else? Yeah, New York has its its positives. Uh, playing in the Eastern Conference is great because, I mean, look at the, the bottom six of the – the bottom uh, six, seven, eight seeds. Uh, the Miami Heat are struggling to stay in ninth place, for God's sake. Uh so the Knicks, just having one player, one good play, just having Zion Williamson may actually shoot him up to to at least that ten seed or whatever, and be in the mix for that eighth seed. Uh, so good on the Knicks. My other, I guess the other winner would be the LA Clippers, who are also in this mix of hey, we could sign one of these big guys to come on down to to come to to the other side of LA, the other the other across the the hallway from the Lakers locker room which would it might even dig into LeBron's uh the LeBron's side if the Clippers were able to pull off uh signing Kawhi or or Kevin Durant or somebody like that uh the the Clippers are in a great position they got a good team they they'll have the cast space they have uh Doc Rivers is a good coach uh, I'm liking what they're doing it's they they've they've positioned themselves pretty well yeah, but I mean, they're 
they had a good trade out. I mean, you sent Tobias Harris for right. to Philly to get from there. But I, I, there's two other teams that really stuck out. I said, I, yes, I absolutely love this. They were not one of them. Right. Uh, but I, I understand where they're coming from. I mean, they got for two first-round picks, and they can obviously use that as trade bait. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it works out pretty well for them, you know, and they, it, it's a soft reboot. You know, it's a season that said, listen, do we want to struggle for a six, seven, eighth seed and keep on a guy who we think is not really going to be worth the future? Or do we trust our coach very akin to what's going on in New York and say, Hey, we trust his development. We trust the moves that establishments are going to make and management's going to make. Let's go for it. You know, because we know Kawhi is not signing Toronto. They can win a, a championship. He's not going to resign. And it's an easy pitch. Kawhi seems like a very proud guy. You say, do you want to be LeBron's, you know, sidekick? Or do you want to be your own right. Batman? And right. oof, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and what we got dudes and we got assets and we'll find you guys. You want shooters? We got shooters. You want a big guy in the post? We got that guy for right. you. It's going to happen, you know, and it's there. But, you know, the the moves by the Knicks stood out. The moves by the Mavs stood out because of what they got out of it. Right. Um, because, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a – he's a good six-man, good, like, starter if you need him. But he's still he, – He's a he serviceable starting point guard, you know? Yeah, and, and the thing is Dallas needed it because they were running with Smith Jr. who wasn't doing anything. Luka was doing everything. DeAndre wasn't really doing anything. He had, like, stuck legs on the paint when people were crossing by him. Wes Matthews I like as a player, but he – he was basically at the end of the contract they had paid him for, mm-hmm. you know, and okay, you give away from their perspective, you're giving away two first round picks, but you know, it could be a crapshoot because you don't know if it's lie protected or not. You don't know if it's going to be a top 10 pick you go from there. But I really, the other team that I said, man, you're talking about going for a win now was uh, Milwaukee. Right. Getting Miritich. Right. Because, you know, you, you gave up a little bit. I'm trying to see exactly what they got. I mean, that's why but, I have you know, the, our, our logo and their colors because I, I was I was very happy with what they did. Yeah. He only, uh, I'm looking here. They only sent four second-round picks. That was it. Yeah. That's all they needed to use. And that was brilliant. Not even a first round. I mean, yeah. so. Like, it's so good. Yeah. So good because he's a big man who can shoot the three. And also play a little bit of defense. He's a little slow at times, but it's a perfect change of pace uh, player on your second unit. Or in case somebody gets injured, you can utilize him. Because look how he, what he did for New Orleans last year. With because I'll say Giannis and Anthony Davis have a very similar game. Uh, you know, at certain points, not completely comparable, but they're big men who can kind of do a little bit of everything and shoot and facilitate. Miritich thrived when Boogie went down. They haven't been a good year, but that's because, you know, the coaching hasn't been great. You know my whole perspective was Alvin Gentry really held back the team. Right. Um, and the injuries do come up. But it, it, it's – I can't even say it's a win now because Milwaukee has looked like the best team in the East throughout the season. And they probably had – after going against competitively against Toronto, they probably I, were the alternative. I would say it is a win now in some sense because a lot of their, yeah. their good players next summer are going to be free agents. So – uh, this is probably right? yeah. Um, so this is probably a good chance for them. One, 
to showcase to these guys, hey, we're in it to win it for the next, not just this season, not just next season. Hey, we want to be three, four years down the line, five years maybe, uh, be like the Warriors. And hey, we, we drafted you guys. We can afford to pay you guys. We have this brand new arena, all these new facilities. Uh, we can bring in guys. Look what we did. Look, we got Mirotich. I mean, we are now an elite NBA organization in Milwaukee at a place and you guys don't have to play with such massive pressure out here. Uh, I think it's a great move for the bucks. This is their, this is their time to shine. And, and this is probably, we'll see what happens if they make a deep Eastern conference, maybe even win the darn thing uh, and, and get to the finals uh, and maybe give the warriors a run for their money because we still think that they're the favorite out West. Um, you, you could look at them being the, Hey, it's not the Boston Celtics that are going to be the, the kings of the East for the next few seasons. It's Milwaukee. And Miritich is still under contract for, I think, an additional two years. It's not one of those, we're going to trade for a guy for a one-year deal and then hope him out. I'm, I'm looking, and he's got, let's see, he's under contract. And uh, Let me see. But going down. It, he signed a two-year, $15 million contract with the Bulls. Uh, okay, so it looks like he is going to be a free agent the following year, if I'm yeah. reading this correctly. Yeah. Well, you know, but he Milwaukee has some cash if they don't want to go Milton, but Milton is arguably the next important player. I think Bledsoe was still under contract for another couple of years. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, let's see, he signed yeah to September 2017, so 2017-18 season, two years. Yeah. So this is the final year of that second of that two-year contract. But yeah. Um, so it's an expiring deal. Uh, however, yay, the Bucks made a, a brilliant move. I'm, I'm glad, and I'm, I'm hoping they go deep in the playoffs because I actually really like them. Um, yeah, all they're right. easy to root for. Yeah, no, they are easy. I mean, they're a uh, small town Milwaukee, and uh, they haven't been good in such a long time. They've got a superstar in Giannis. I mean, it's it's all there. It's all there for them. Okay, so. Um, other than that, okay, so biggest losers, what would you say? Uh, look, give me a second as I fully bring I mean, everything up. Uh, could you say Toronto for not really making that big of a splash? No, uh, I, I liked what Toronto did in getting uh, Marcus All. I mean, I, yeah, they get a veteran presence, um, even though. Uh, his his game is also very different from Valanciunas. Right. They may look alike, but Valanciunas is like a 12-7 guy stat-wise. Gasol is a 15-13-4 guy, getting the assist in there as well. Plus, he he can shoot a little bit on the outside, and he plays very hard in the paint. I like Valanciunas, but he's slow-footed compared to Mark. Mark's still near the end of the tail end of his career, but he's dominant. And I think he's the perfect guy to have because who are the centers that the Raptors expect to see Giannis and Embiid. And right. Embiid kind of gets a little soft if you press up on him a little bit. And that's the difference between Gasol and Valanciunas. Valanciunas cannot defend a center who can shoot outside in the three. Mark can. Yeah. And you all know how we've seen it because Joel Embiid eats up Hassan Whiteside every time he goes shoots outside. It's all but actually that, that's a good point. It's a good point that Toronto may have upgraded in the one spot that they probably needed to upgrade to combat Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, no. So I, I like what they did. Oh, okay. Um, what about Boston not actually doing anything, or or may, was it better for them to play play it safe and not doing anything for now? 
Um, I mean, there's nothing that you can really do to make right. it better because on paper they should have you have okay. Remember, Gordon Haywood is supposed to be bad throughout this whole season just so he can be good for the playoffs. So we we throw that away, right? Okay. Kyrie. Ky- that that would be my mentality, right? Because, look, they get that far last year without Gordon. This is just to make Gordon comfortable, you know, get him into the swing of things in basketball shape. Jalen Brown's playing more. Jason Tatum is a stud in the making, I feel. Kyrie's there. They still need a big man, but that's always been their problem. But just just because they're, like, at four, they're, they're probably going to end up with a four seed, maybe a three seed if uh, they get a little bit lucky. Um but there's still a competitive advantage for them. They're not like LA who was like, listen, let's not bother about being six, seven or eight and having to get eliminated in the first round. Let's try to wait. They could win at their positioning of the seating that they have, you know, uh, it's just, what else could you really have had them done? Because they can't trade for Anthony Davis yet. Uh, so they have to wait that out. And I think that's ultimately where that conversation will go to when Cesar's here. Um, so you have that situation. I mean, they could probably use a couple more shooters. They, If they were going to trade, they were going to trade for dudes that they're going to expect to lose, like Terry Rozier. Mm. Maybe trade him and get some people back because he's not going to get re-signed. You know, or Marcus uh, Smart, who is a good kind of like bench guy, but he doesn't contribute much to the team except for being a tenacious defender. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily terrible in my opinion, it's just there, there wasn't anything that you could really have done. They, they're kind of like stuck in the mud. You know what I mean? It's just like you're, you're not going to die, but you're going to be dirty for a bit. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. And then finally, I guess I want to talk about Markel Fultz finally moved on from Philly yeah. to Orlando. That was actually the bad trade, if you ask me. Yeah. That was the trade I was going to talk about. Um, so, I mean, my initial thoughts on it is like you don't know if the guy's going to play – Okay, I get it. Assuming he does play, he hasn't really done anything that's shown you that he can be a great player. Right. Now, mind you, basketball, it's hit or miss. It's just Orlando just doesn't seem to get it right. They win the trade if they can get their protected pickback. A second rounder doesn't do anything, and then losing Jonathan Simmons doesn't matter. But it was kind of like Philly, you really probably should just kept – the real loser was just Markel Fultz because you've been ostracized so badly to got to get popped out. Orlando, you know, they're and he, go he, he could be the big loser there, or maybe the fact that he's out of Philly, change of scenery in Orlando, not as much pressure. Um, yeah. It might it might be beneficial to him because I mean, remember when he got drafted? I mean, it's like, hey, you're coming into this team that's finally finished their process, and they just got they just picked you number one, and you are going to be plugged in, and hey, you guys are going to be rolling, and never did. Never did. He could barely shoot a free throw correctly. I mean, uh, it was just ugly jumper. Yeah, ugly jumper. Just bad overall. I mean, he came into the his rookie season. Hey, hey, we just realized you your shooting mechanics are all out of whack. <laughs> just before you get to the league, I mean, just stuff that. I mean, I mean, even Lonzo Balls was terrible, but he, I mean, he he, he acclimated to the NBA, you know, and. Markel but didn't. He was an all, but, but he played, and Markel yeah. didn't. Right. But um, right. I mean, it, it, that's a big difference. Orlando kind of loses a little bit because it's the same situation of you needed a point guard because you had Alfred Payton, and you're like, okay, you're not good, so we get rid of you. So you're not filling that need. And also, Philly loses. And I'm gonna tell you why Philly loses because you just shifted out or you know sent out another first round pick that did nothing. 
That's true. Because the, the only two pick, because I, you know me, I hate the process. I thought the process sucked. You know, as a fan, if I was a Philly fan, I would have renounced it and leave. You tanked and it didn't succeed because you got Embiid and Simmons out there. So, okay, you have two star players. That's great. But Nick Stockas, Jaleel right. Okafor, mm-hmm. Markel Fultz, uh, Michael Carter Williams. Right. Even though he run the rookie of the year, but it probably was a weak year. So. But 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 that was all point. Yeah like, yeah. Okay, we got him, but we don't need him. Right. We get rid of him. You're telling me four picks that you got. Yeah. Throughout the so year. six really? six or seven seasons of tanking, and you only really came out with two guys. And high lottery picks. Right. Mind you. Right. They were all high lottery picks. Markel was a number one pick. Embiid was a number three pick. Unlike what the Warriors um, did, because a lot of people don't realize the Warriors. All those those four guys, they weren't number one draft picks, weren't number two draft picks, or even number yeah. three guys. I mean, uh, what was Steph Curry? He was an eight? Yeah. Yeah, back in he like 2009 or something? It's been a and while I think now. it's partially because he played at Davidson. If it right. was a bigger name, he would have been there. But I'm, I'm going to say it right now because I brought this up because I don't like the tanking process the way that they did it. You tank a little bit, that's fine, but it was it was for this whole section. So they got a false number one pick. They got Ben Simmons, Jaleel Okafor, Joel Embiid at three, um, Michael Carla Williams at number 11. You know, it, it was just this everlasting pain that came in. Right. And you you accomplished something because you can build a team. You had to get J.J. Redick and pay him money because let me tell you right now, every other team probably wouldn't have him as a starter. No. You had to go and trade for Jimmy Butler because you realized, holy crap, we didn't do this. So we gave up um, the, the two – you gave up – and of course, now the names are going to leave me. But you gave it Dario Saric, who was a number, a first rounder that you got rid of. And then um, Covington, who was a guy that you actually developed from a second round. Right. I, you failed. You failed. <laughs> I mean, this is actually going to get, it's a topic for another week um, as far as the fact that the NBA is, there's no really middle ground in the NBA anymore now. It's, it's either you're all in or you are completely all out and you're tanking and that's the only place to be really because uh being miami heat fans i we can tell you this is this being where they are right now is not very fun in any way whatsoever but that's for too another bad week to be good too good to be bad that's that's another topic we are about hour 50 into this um I don't think I'll talk NHL. We well, we kind of talked our NHL stuff from our own perspective early, so we will avoid the NHL topics. And then, obviously, the NBA All Star Game, uh, we will talk about afterwards uh, next week. Uh, so, I don't know, Andrew. Do you do you want to do the last segment? Oh no, He's we forgot quiet. players. We remember to forget. We almost oh. forgot. Well, okay, to forget. To remember to forget. Okay, do, do you have one? Since we you you obviously set out our NBA talk. <laughs> I always set out because I know absolutely nothing about the NBA. You'll be back when Markel Fultz is the superstar <laughs> of the Magic and leading them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I don't know. You had a pretty good player to remember to forget up there. Uh, I forgot who it was. Wes Welker. Oh yeah. Okay, so I have Wes Welker. Uh, obviously, he was a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins and more famously for going to the New England Patriots and being good. Although, hey, and, and he played for for Denver as well. Um, so mine was Wes Welker. And the only reason I did Wes Welker 
because uh, and then you go on good old yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I was kind of confused about that one because I actually know that name. Yeah, it's not something. I mean, it's probably easy to remember him to forget him if probably but because he's not a guy who completely stands out but if you mention his name it's like oh yeah i remember he exists and is alive mm -hmm. uh, so uh wes welker um uh, i just because I, I like finding these athletes doing local tv commercials because they're just so awful at them so i found this one for wes welker receiver for the new england page excuse me aren't you wes welker the wide receiver for the new england patriots that's right. I'm so excited to meet you, but what are you doing? I'm trying to find out which one of these is better. Well, look at the price tag. The Simmons Beautyrest Black Set is $19.99. Bob's Black Label is only $9.99. So you're trying to tell me I can buy two of these for the price of one of those? Yep. <laughs> now that's the way to really score. Patriots running back Kevin Falk is on a Tempur-Pedic power bed. We got Kevin Falk in here, too. Wes Welker's on a power bob with Bobopedic. How's it feel, guys? Great. Amazing. What do you like the most? I can raise my head and raise my feet. Me, too. How's the massage? Awesome. The Tempur-Pedic is 4600 The power bob is only $19.99. Why pay $2,600 more? I am not paying $2,600 more. Don't even think about it. So that's Wes Welker and even Kevin Falk in their their TV debuts. I don't think we will see them in Hollywood anytime soon. Uh, it was just awful. I have no idea why they had Wes Welker just tossing a football on one side of the bed on the other. I have no idea what he was doing that. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get who was directing the commercial, but it was awful. So Wes Welker, I, I remember you for having a terrible local commercial and not for being awesome after you left the Dolphins uh, so that's Wes Welker I mean we could talk about his numbers and all that stuff but I didn't want to talk about that I just wanted to see the commercial uh, you guys have anybody I mean I could pop one in alrighty uh, we, we kind of like referred to him a little bit earlier in the day um, but my player that we forgot basically or we remember to forget is Mark Bulger uh, Mark Bolger was a quarterback out of uh, St. Louis for a long time, and it was during the dark era before the Empire came in. Uh, for you got a picture of them of him on Wikipedia out of TGI Fridays. It looks like. Yeah, he, he looks like a guy. He looks like a bro that I would hang out <laughs> with. Um, he was drafted by the New Orleans Saints in the sixth round in 2000 draft. He was in the Brady draft, I believe. Um, he was one of the few successful ones. He got kind of bounced around a little bit. So when he got to the Rams, um, he kind of like started throughout the season. And then ultimately, I won't go through the stats, but he lost his role to a couple of concussions, a couple of injuries, different politics when there's new coaches in there. He went to the Ravens to be a backup to Joe Flacco. And then, you know, he, he retired, but he was a good statistical guy. He, he was the quarterback during the dark era. The St. Louis Rams were just terrible. Getting the number one pick in Braffer and all that stuff is what kind of callous it, but he was just there. He had a couple of years of success, but overall he was a pretty competitive guy who got cut short. Um, since retirement, he picked up the sport of curling, and he played Ooh. in the 2018 Curl Masabi Classic, which is the adventure. He threw lead rocks for the John Benton team. I don't know what that is, which included former retired player Jared Allen, who is one of the scariest men I've ever seen in my life, and I'll probably mention him next week. 
<laughs> wow. Okay, that's that, that wins. Yeah, that that took a turn. You don't have anybody this week, Andrew. Unfortunately, I do not. You don't want Fred McGriff and want to see his Tom Amansky AAU baseball training videos. Uh, do you guys remember that? I do. Fred, the Tom Amansky baseball training videos that were like on, I think they kept showing them on Nickelodeon stuff, and and you know it was endorsed by uh, Fred McGriff, the crime dog. I don't know if anybody remembers, but I remember that. I remember seeing it so many times. Uh, I we'll we'll look at that next week. We are almost two hours into this, guys. Andrew, do you want to do the last segment? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. We yeah, we can do it for a couple minutes, right? Unfortunately, I I had my list of teams but they disappeared so weird I may have college to, team names i may have to wing it this week i apologize but i think i can oh, how the tables have turned oh but i think i can i think i can pull a couple i mean i'm looking at the scores let's see i mean they just have the major ones michigan state versus wisconsin lsu versus kentucky uh buffalo versus akron um Marquette versus, I'm assuming, DePaul. Michigan versus Penn State. Purdue versus Maryland. Duke versus Louisville. Kansas State versus Texas. So those are all teams we can name. Um, So I don't see any weird ones right there. If I go back to our, let's see, go down here. Uh, So they're usually the top 25. So those mostly teams that on 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 our score crawl that we can recognize. So I can't really... See any weird ones there? Other than DePaul, I'm not sure where DePaul is. Hmm, I should know that. I think it starts with a D, though. Okay, so actual alliteration for once. Um, and Akron is the Zips, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, And their mascot is a kangaroo for some reason. Okay. Akron, Akrangaroo. I don't know. I'm pulling up to Paul right now. Well, we'll look up to Paul. I guess we'll we'll end it there, guys. It's two hours and one minute. I was kind of right. It's the Blue Demons. The Blue Demons. Okay. And so, they're playing another color school. That would be fun if they were playing the Blue Devils. That would be fantastic. Uh, they're playing the Golden Eagles with Marquette. Okay. All right, uh, Dwayne Wade's former school. All right, guys. Uh, I think we're at, we're at the end of this. So two hours and one minute. Thank you, Charles and Andrew. For, Always a pleasure. Um, thank you to our viewers. Thank you to Freddie uh, for, for joining in. Thank you to the NCAA football players for getting arrested. <laughs> uh, and I guess we'll see you guys next week to talk more, more, more sports, probably more baseball news coming out. Maybe somebody finally signs one of those guys. Or we'll talk NBA All-Star Game, and we actually might talk about some actual hockey being played. Um, And the Alliance of American Football, because why not? Why not? So, bye, everybody. Good night. Take care. You don't have a... I am am off my game this week. Wow, okay. I don't even have a a foreign goodbye. All right. We're going to step it up next week. Arrivederci, everybody.